0: This morning, we are going to continue in our series uh, t- called Chasing God's Heart, which is about the life of King David, a man who was aptly given the name, a man after God's own heart. And this morning, we are probably going to, going to look at what is probably one of the most familiar events of his life. It might even rank up there as one of the most popular stories in the entire Bible, Because for generations, every child who has ever attended Sunday school has heard of a shepherd boy named David who was victorious while facing insurmountable odds. This incredible story takes up the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 17. I'd like you to go ahead and turn, if you would, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. Chapter 17, if you don't have your Bible, there's one in the pew pocket in front of you. If you don't wanna do that, it will be up on the screen and you can follow along. Now, we're not gonna read the entire chapter this morning, but we are going to read a variety of verses as we move along and you can follow along with me. Our story this morning begins in the Valley of Elah, where the armies of Israel are on one side of a valley and the Philistine army is on the other side. They are preparing for battle. When out comes this finely tuned fighting machine, a giant by the name of Goliath. Goliath uh, lived to defeat any foe that came up against him. He was the pride of the Philistine army. He was their champion. And he does something that was customary in war during those days when he stands in the valley all by himself and he yells out, I'll chall- I challenge you to send me one of your champions and we'll just settle this whole thing one-on-one, mano-a-mano. Mano. There's no need for thousands of men to be killed on the battlefield. We can settle this business right here, right now. Now, that would be a very easy thing for Goliath to proclaim or suggest, considering not only his pedigree, but just how massive of a man he really was. Goliath was trained for moments like this. This was his purpose, and he wasn't just a warrior, but he was over nine feet tall. That's about two feet taller than most that you see on the courts of the NBA. He would make Stephon Curry look like a jockey riding at the Preakness. And not only was Goliath a huge man, but his armament was equally as impressive. He had a bronze helmet on his head and a coat of armor that the Bible says weighed in at 5,000 shekels. How much does a shekel weigh? Thank you for asking. A shekel weighs 17 grams or 0.037 pounds. So his coat of armor alone weighed in at a massive 125 pounds. That's like having a light human being on your back, walking around wherever you go. He also had a spear. It was a bronze javelin slung across his back, and the Bible says his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and the spearhead weighed 600 shekels. Historians estimate the shaft would have been about 10 to 12 feet long, and combined with the spearhead, it would make the whole javelin about 30 pounds. So imagine not just being able to throw a 30 pound spear around, but to do it with deadly accuracy. On his legs, Goliath wore bronze greaves. Have you ever tried walking with bronze greaves on your legs? Do you even know what in the world bronze greaves are? Greaves are like armored leggings that they wore to protect their legs in battle. So in addition to all of his his size, Goliath is also covered from head to toe with, no, with armor and is no doubt the most formidable opponent that Israel has ever come up against. And just to look at him would put fear into any man's heart. Now, the obvious guy who should, do, who should go and face Goliath is King Saul. Saul. Because as we read last week, the Bible said that Saul stood head and shoulders above the other other Israelites. But guess what? (laughs) He wasn't eager at all to go and face Goliath. He decided that he wasn't going to do it. And so he offers an incentive. He offers a, a compensation package, if you will, to any soldier within his ranks that will go out and face this giant. Saul promises great wealth. And get this, he promises a tax-exempt status for the rest of their life. And in addition to that, he offered his daughter's hand in marriage. Apparently Saul wasn't up for father of the year. Now, if you hadn't already lost respect for King Saul, when you read the Old Testament and find out the direction that his life is heading, this ordeal will certainly push you over the top. But even after offering all of these incentives, no one would volunteer to face Goliath. And therefore both armies were at a standstill. So for 40 days, Goliath yelled across that valley and kept repeating his challenge. And for 40 days, nobody would accept his challenge. Meanwhile, 10 or 15 miles away in an obscure little village is David. And as we discussed two two weeks ago, when we kicked off this series, Samuel had just anointed David as king per God's instructions. But since Saul was still on the throne, uh, David had gone back to tending his father's sheep. Well, one day David's father, Jesse, tells him to go to the front lines of battle and take food to his three brothers and their commanding officer. So David obeys his father's request, and he goes to that valley where this standoff is occurring. And when he arrives, he hears Goliath yelling. Now get this, for 40 days, Goliath has been taunting the Israelites. And for 40 days, they've all been living in fear and defeat. But on the 41st day, one brave Israelite is gonna take on the task that nobody else would on the 41st day of the history of Saul, the history of Goliath, the history of David and all of Israel would be changed forever. All because of a shepherd boy with a skinny little body who had a heart as big as the Jordan River. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning, a courageous heart. Because this is a story of the building of David's courageous heart. And here's what I think. I believe to our very core, every one of us wants to live life with a courageous heart. I think that we all want to exhibit the kind of boldness that, that David does in today's story that we're covering. But if you look carefully, one of the things that, that you're going to discover is that it takes time to grow a courageous heart. David's boldness quotient began long before the 41st day of Goliath's challenge. And I think there's a real misconception that we carry around in that when you face your Goliath moment, and we all will face a Goliath moment and multiple Goliath moments in our life, that you can simply develop a courageous heart right out of the blue. But it doesn't happen that way, because if you wait until you're facing your Goliath, it's probably not going to. Fare. You're probably not going to fare too well if, if you wait until your Goliath moment comes around, whatever your Goliath is, and you expect to have a bold and a courageous heart, it probably won't go so well for you, because a courageous heart needs to be constructed each and every day, and that's what David did. He faced several situations in his life that required enormous amounts of courage before he ever got around to this battle with Goliath. And God used those situations to build within David a courageous heart. Here's the truth, I have Goliaths in my life, and so do you. And my desire is that every one of us here at High Point will be people who are marked by our courageous hearts. I think one of God's delights is when we follow him boldly in this brazen world in which we live. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about four areas in our daily lives that will help to develop in you a courageous heart. And the first one is this. Courageous hearts are built while dealing with everyday challenges. No one really likes everyday challenges, but they do provide us with an opportunity to develop a bold heart. All of these, uh, these years that David was on his own and guarding his, his father's sheep, all during that time, he was developing a courageous heart. And David talks about this in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles open, go ahead and go to verse 17. I know we're jumping ahead a little bit in this story, but I'm trying to make a point. I'm sorry. I was looking to see if my lights were on. It seems dark up here this morning. I think my eyesight's getting worse. I'm not sure. But anyway, in this verse, David is trying to uh, explain to King Saul why he's ready to take on this job, why he's ready, willing, and able to go and fight Goliath. He's explaining why Saul should be confident that he is the man for the job. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. I'll be reading from the NIV this morning. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has both killed the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Now it's easy to pass right over that scripture, but I wanna take a moment and dwell on it. Imagine you're David, you're out in a field watching sheep. They're not even your sheep, they're your father's sheep and a bear comes along and you don't have a gun All you have is a big stick and a slingshot. What do you do? Well, David could have run because the only witnesses would have been the sheep and the sheep wouldn't tell. You have to understand that the sheep weren't gonna go after the bear because sheep are not known known for their courage. Nobody would have ever known if David had run away except for the good Lord. But David stayed and, and, and David fought And David learned. And It is very interesting to me what David says in verse 37. He doesn't say, I learned that I could defeat lions and bears. He doesn't say, I learned to trust in my own self-sufficiency. He says in verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David says, God can deliver me from any challenge that comes before me. That is what I have learned throughout my life. And I want to tell you something this morning. You can hear the words, God is faithful a thousand times, and a lot of you have, and you can read books where it says, God is faithful a hundred times, and many of you have, but you will only come to believe it down to the core of your very being, when you have first tested it and you have experienced it, that is when it becomes truth to you. You see, lions and bears have, have always come after sheep from time and eternity. It's what they do, it's their job description. And because you too have your own little flock to watch, lions and bears come up against you on a daily basis. But just like David in those, those everyday moments, When nobody is watching while performing the unglamorous job of of shepherding or whatever we do in our life day after day, that's where our courageous hearts are built. If David had waited until he faced Goliath, he would have run away like everybody else. And guess what? So will you, but he didn't. He took on everyday challenges. He faced lions and bears and God was faithful and David's heart got real bold. That's the first way to build a courageous heart. You've got to boldly face everyday challenges that come against you because if you run, you will lose heart. But if you learn to face them, God is faithful and you will create a bolder heart. A second area in life where you develop a courageous heart, courageous hearts are built while facing criticism and opposition. None of us like facing those things very much at all, but they are great opportunities for us to show our courage. Let's continue on in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David is at the front lines because his father, Jesse, had told him to go there and bring food to his brothers. And when he arrives at the the valley, he hears Goliath yelling. 1 Samuel 17 verse 26 through 28 says... David asked the men standing there, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, do you remember Eliab, that's David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle." Now those are some pretty cheap shots that Eliab makes at his little brother. I mean, David had been sent there by his father. He, 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 he didn't come on his own accord. And obviously his father left someone else to tend the sheep. He was just being obedient to his father, Jesse, but Eliab unloads on him. And I believe that this is happening for very good reason. First, I'm sure he's still upset that he was overlooked by Samuel while David was anointed king. But secondly, I think there's a lot of misguided criticism that is going on here. I think for Eliab and his brothers who were with him, as well as the other soldiers, that Goliath had been dominating their world. They suffered from a kind of Goliath sickness of the spirit. Every day Goliath came out and he issued that challenge, which had been going on for 40 days and every day Eliab heard it, but he shrank back and he didn't respond. He felt a little bit more like a coward, more than he did the day before. Every day for 40 days, Eliab died just a little bit. I think he didn't mind being with his other brothers who were there because they were in the same boat. They were experiencing the same thing. They were also afraid. It didn't make them feel bad. But I believe that when David showed up, Eliab didn't want his baby brother to see the coward inside of him. He saw somebody who was really bold in David. And by contrast, he saw himself for what he was. And he didn't like what he was seeing. And in the face of David's defiant courage, Eliab simply felt ashamed. And and his fear, made him unable to love his brother and to receive his brother's gifts. And you know something? Fear has a way of doing that to you. I want to tell you, this is one of the most important reasons to be courageous, because if you cower before Goliath, whatever your Goliath is, and you do it long enough, it will eat away at your self-respect. It just does. And it's okay when you're around other people who are also living in fear. I mean, misery loves company, right? But when you're with somebody who dares to challenge Goliath, when you feel your own cowardice going on by comparison, it does not feel good at all. And you need to do something to bolster your sense of of esteem. And so you become angry and you become resentful and you present this this outward false bravado, which is not true at all. You see, Eliab was killing, or excuse me, Goliath was killing Eliab one day at a time. And so, so David faces totally unfair criticism and opposition. So how does a person supposed to respond to all of that? This is very striking to me because David could have wasted all of his time and energy fighting Eliab over the cutting remarks that he had made. I know I would have been tempted to do that if if, if I were in that situation, but he chooses not to because he knows this is not the story of David and Eliab. He knows that this is the story of David and Goliath. Look at verses 29 and 30. This is all David has to say in response to his brother Eliab. Now, what have I done? Said David. Ever been there? You ever said that? What have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before. David simply states his position and then he turns away to someone else and he doesn't give into Eliab's criticism, nor does David allow that criticism to hold any power over him and he gets on with his mission. He just says, God has something for me to do and I refuse to get sidetracked by your foolish words, and his heart got just a little bit bolder. So let me ask you, how do you deal with criticism? How many of you have been criticized before? Some of you didn't raise your hand, so if you've never been a recipient of criticism, I invite you to become a pastor. It's true. You'll learn very quickly in ministry, criticism is a big part of the job. And all of you know who've criticized me and now you're going, oh man, he called me out. The truth is criticism is everywhere you go. Everybody's got a better idea than you. Everybody can do your job better than you. They can't, they think they can, but they, you know, they've never walked a mile in your shoes, but they'll tell you how to do stuff. And you gotta be able to let that stuff go because it'll eat you up inside. Not to mention it'll get you angry. Not to mention it'll make you, Well, we won't go into that. (laughs) What you've got to understand is that criticism falls into one of two categories. Uh, It's either accurate or it's inaccurate. It's either factual or someone has allowed their own miserable imagination to create something that's not even real or true. And it's such a simple thing. If it's inaccurate, you dismiss it. You move on. You turn away. If it's accurate, then fix what needs to be fixed and move on, but refuse to allow it to make you lose heart. I see people all the time who get sidetracked by criticism and opposition, and they kind of wither away. No matter where you go, you are going to find people whose natural gifting is criticism, While there are some people in the church who think criticism is their spiritual gift, believe it or not. And if they could earn a PhD in criticism, that, that, that diploma would be framed and hanging on a chain around their neck. But the fact is, criticism provides you with a great opportunity to develop boldness and courage, and it will reveal something to you. Let me share with you my own vulnerability here. I think if I was doing what David was doing, if I decided that I was going to take on Goliath, I would expect people around me to respond with words like this. What a brave thing you're doing, Pastor David. We want you to know how much we admire your courage. You're our hero. We're going to applaud you as you go out there into that battlefield. But David doesn't get any of that. The truth is when you get really serious about trusting God and facing your Goliath, there's a good chance that there will be people in your life who will be threatened by that and they will want to hold you back. They are not at all pleased that you are facing Goliath and they're not. You're gonna face some opposition, and some criticism when you try to do what's right, or whenever you try to honor God. Sometimes it will come from your family, sometimes it will be from someone you know, someone you love, sometimes it will be from a fellow church member. And it's very easy to give up, and it's very easy for you to lose heart, or get defensive, and spend the rest of your your life trying to straighten them out but you just can't because they can't be straightened out. You got to say, this is what I believe God is calling me to do. And then get on with what God has called you to do. So use moments of criticism and obstacles to build a courageous heart. That's what you've got to do. Use them for your benefit. Well, there's a third area of life that helps build a courageous heart. Courageous hearts are built while resisting the pressure to conform. You ever have pressure applied to conform? Saul hears what's going on, and so he has David brought before him. Let's look at verses 32 through 33. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Now stop and think about this interaction for just a minute. David has to have the courage and the presence of mind to persuade the king of Israel that the king is wrong and that he is right, and how he ought to be the one to go out and fight Goliath, and David does precisely that. Look at the last part of verse 37. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now maybe Saul was being cynical, Maybe he was being sincere. Maybe he's envious. We don't really know. But then keep looking at verses 38 through 40. It's kind of a funny scene. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Paul puts on his handcrafted armor all over David's body, and David can't even walk in it properly. It's kind of like Saul's armor was built in the big and tall shop, and David wears a size small, So David does a real bold thing here. And again, remember Saul is the king and David is his subject. Saul is an impressive man. David is just a kid. Saul is a warrior and David is a shepherd boy who's never been to battle with a human being in his lifetime. And I think it would have been very easy for David to have concluded, Saul knows better than I do. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so I'll do it his way. But David understood something very, very important. He knew himself and he knew his enemy, but most importantly, he knew his God. And he knew that when he went out to face Goliath, he would stand alone because Saul was not gonna be by his side when he went out to face him. His brothers were not going to be there either. They're cowering in the valley. And Jesse was not going to be there. So David was going to be completely on his own. You see, when you go face to face with your Goliath, although you may have many wonderful friends in your life, in a very real sense, you will stand alone. And David understood that Saul would keep him from pursuing his mission in the way that God had uniquely called him to do it. And and Saul would try to turn David into kind of a, a miniature version of himself. But David was not called to be a mini Saul or a little Saul. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, you must choose how you will go into battle. As a pastor, throughout the years, I've had a lot of people come to me who are seeking advice regarding decisions that they have to make in their life. And they they read all kinds of books and they're always looking for an expert to relieve them of the pressure of making a difficult decision. They want somebody else to choose their armor for them. They want somebody else to make hard decisions for them, but it doesn't work that way. Please understand something. While facing the greatest battles of your life, you gotta remember that this is your life. Nobody can choose your weapon for you. Not a pastor, not a teacher, not a boss, not a friend, not a parent. This is your life. These are your gifts. It is your mind. It is your calling from God. It's yours. Your battle is immensely important to God Almighty, but no one can choose your weapons for you. And We live in a world that regularly applies this kind of pressure that Saul placed upon David, but never forget what the apostle Paul wrote, and do not be conformed to this world. God longs for a people who will be courageous enough in heart not to conform to the ways or the patterns or the ideals or the suggestions of this fallen world. He wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and to trust in him completely. Maybe you are facing a relational challenge today. Maybe a friendship has gone in the wrong direction, and it will take time, and it will take energy to confront it. And there's a part of you that is tempted not to pursue it at all because it's going to be difficult. Well, you can take that route, which is really the easier route in terms of effort, and you can just ignore it. That's the way that most people will tell you how to face it. Or you can say, God, with your help, I am going to that bear. I'm going to go and I'm going to defeat that bear. And your heart will get a little bit stronger and it will get a little more courageous for the next time you have a bear come against you. Maybe you're part of a group of friends and gossip is the norm. Whenever you get together with this group of people, that's just where the conversation always goes, tearing down other people. And, and, and you, if you're gonna be a part of that group, you gotta to bow to that kind of pressure. But God is wondering, is there somebody that has enough courage of heart to say no to that? I'm not gonna be involved in anything that tears other people down, other people who are likewise precious to God. No way. God wants us to have courageous hearts in a timid world. Maybe in your place of employment, you suffer a lot of pressure to compromise and to do unethical things. I'm talking about things that could make you more money at the expense of your client, things that shouldn't or don't need to be done, Then it might advance you up the ladder if you just give in. But God is waiting to see if you will be strong enough and courageous enough to say, no, I will not give in to that pressure. I will do things the right way. Maybe you know somebody this morning who is far from God, and, he need, and they need desperately for someone to just love them, someone to pray for them, someone to share their faith with them, but because of pressure, you just kind of shrink back. But God is waiting to see somebody whose heart is bold enough to say, I'm going to share my life and my faith with you. God loves it when people follow him with hearts that are bold enough to withstand the pressures that this world applies. And so David comes to this climactic moment, the defining moment of his life and Goliath's life and the people of God, and he doesn't shrink back. And if you think about this from a human perspective, what would have happened to Israel if David hadn't come to this moment? And therein lies the fourth area of everyday life where courageous hearts are developed. Courageous hearts are built while facing the greatest crisis moments of your life. Finally, David stands before Goliath, and I want you to look at verse 41. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So here's this massive Goliath, about twice the size of a normal human being, with all this armor weighing hundreds of pounds on his body, all of his specialized training, and he makes a guy walk in front of him and carry his shield just for a little bit more protection. And now you see Goliath's first response in 1 Samuel 17, 42 and 44. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath was trash talking. That was normal operating procedure on the battlefield in those days. And now because of that, we have professional athletes who actually feel like they're going into warriors and and they're trash talking. It's annoying. I once sat at an NBA game and couldn't believe the trash talk that I could hear from those guys. Just shut up and play the game, okay? (laughs) David had never been in a situation like this before. This was all new to him. He knows he's got to respond. He's got to have something to say. Look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and a javelin but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now that could have been a mic drop moment for David, but he went on. He had to put a little of his own juice in there. He goes, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." David also says, I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the beasts. That was not very original. He was just, David's new at this. He was just kind of repeating. He said, hey, that was a great line from Goliath, so I'm going to throw it right back at you. But in a sense, the summary of this whole story is found in verse 45 through 47. You come at me with a sword and spear and javelin but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied." Listen, I don't know what you are facing today, but understand it is nothing that the Lord God cannot handle. See, Goliath had been through many battles before, We're told that he had been a fighting man since his youth, but he had never ever faced anybody like David before. So imagine Goliath's shock. Here's this skinny kid with no armor, with no experience, with no sword, with no spear, nothing but the God of Israel. Look at verse 48 and 49. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down into the ground. David takes one single stone from his pouch He puts it in his sling, and he starts swinging that thing along, and then he releases it. He hurls it at Goliath, and it hits him in probably one of the few places on his entire body where he doesn't have armor covering it. He hits him right in the forehead, and the Bible says that Goliath fell face down. Let me tell you something. When a man falls on his face without uh, bracing his fall in any way, he's knocked out cold. He just, boom, that guy was down for the count. Now look at verse 50 and 51. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. Wow and it's all over just as fast as it started. Old Goliath never expected this and neither did the Philistine army. And the last part of verse 51 says this, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. It was over. David did settle it one-on-one, mano y mano. Well, actually, there was one more involved, and that was the power of Almighty God. This was a great victory for Israel, and it was a moment that would forever change a young shepherd boy who would one day become king. You see, Goliath was battle-ready for a lot of stuff, but he was not prepared for David or his unconventional methods. And I want to tell you something this morning. Whatever your Goliath is, Whatever it is that you are facing, whatever it is that creates anxiety and fear within you, God can do for you what he did for David. I don't know what the Goliath of your life is this morning. Maybe it's a health issue, but I want you to remember that Jesus just didn't bear our our sins on that cross. He also bore our sicknesses and our diseases on the cross of Calvary. Maybe it's a failure of some kind, And you've been paralyzed by it. You've allowed a mistake that you've made to define your life. But I want to remind you that God is a God of forgiveness, and he is a God of second chances. Maybe it's a difficult person in your life. Maybe you have a personal Goliath in your life. Can I remind you that if God be for you, who really can be against you? Maybe it's a vocational decision that you need to make. I want to remind you that as you lean upon God, he will give you the courage to break through those fears that will normally hold you back. Maybe God has placed a calling on your life that you've been afraid to act upon. Well, let me remind you something. If God has called you and you answer that call faithfully, he will give you the courage and the resources to see it through. He always does. I don't know what your Goliath is today, but I do know this. If you let your Goliath intimidate you, if you let him convince you that that you are hopeless, if you run away day after day like Eliab and the rest of the Israelites did, you'll die a little every day of your life and you'll begin to lose heart. But please understand your life is far too precious and the battle is far too important for you to go down that road. I know if you face your Goliath, with one small, smooth stone, combined with the power and confidence of Almighty God, your Goliath doesn't stand a chance. Because with one little stone slung in the power of God, it is stronger than anything that this world can possibly throw against you. Scott, will you come forward? And I'd like to ask all of you to stand to your feet, please. The scriptures are very clear about the central message of this story it's all over the place verse 37 the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this philistine verse 45 you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin but i come against you in the name of the lord almighty the god of the armies of israel whom you have defiled verse 47 All those gathered together here will know it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. This is so great, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a story about David's raw courage or David's skill with a slingshot or even David's willingness to take a risk. This is a story about God. Neither is the story of your life about your courage or about your skill or about your uh, battle against whatever Goliath you're facing. This is a story, if you will allow it, about God as well. It's a story about the power that God wants to unleash in your life, in your battle against whatever Goliath it is that you're facing. Only God can take something like a small stone and do something big with it. Only God can do that. And God is still, understand this, he is still in the business of delivering courageous-hearted Davids from Goliaths. He is. I don't know how big your Goliath is, but I'll guarantee you this. He is not, it is not bigger than God. Listen, we've all got Goliaths, we've got a face. So I want to open this altar this morning. I think it'd be very appropriate to anyone who needs some courage to face something difficult in your life. Sadly, we often just sidestep these things and and, and we hope they'll just go away, but I'm here to tell you folks, Goliath ain't going nowhere. He's going to call out to you every day. and If you keep giving in, you're going to shrink and shrink and shrink, and there's going to be nothing left of you. You've got to act. Some of you have been facing the same Goliath for years, but you've never moved into the valley to face him. Instead, you've been cowering like David's brothers and the rest of the army, and God is calling you today to stand strong in the courage that he offers you. There are several people here today who you need the the courage to simply allow Jesus lordship over your life. You've never received salvation. You've never lived a life being guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit of the living God. You fear what a relationship with Jesus might mean to you. You fear what other people will think of all things, especially your unsaved friends. And your fear is keeping you from making the most important decision you'll ever make in your life because it has eternal implications on where you will spend eternity when your time on this earth is done. You need, if you need to receive salvation this morning, you can come down to this altar and you can pray a prayer, the Bible says, of belief and confession. Confessing your sins to God, acknowledging that Jesus is Lord of all, that he is the only way to God the Father, and to accept him into your life as Lord and Savior. And we as a church would be honored to come alongside of you and to help you to grow and strengthen you in your Christian journey. Some of you need courage in a decision that you need to make. You're thinking if you put it off long enough, you won't have to make it, but it won't go away. You need to face it. There is someone in a romantic relationship here today, and it isn't a healthy one. You are unequally yoked with a non-believer, and you need to get out of that relationship before it destroys your relationship with Jesus. It's that simple, and yes, that is a prophetic word this morning get out of that relationship because it will destroy you and it will destroy your union with God because you will go the other way. There are some of you that need the courage just to trust God more. Oh, you want to trust God. You really, really do. But you have a hard time doing that. You let fears and everyday worries overcome your senses. So I want you to come to this altar And I want you to ask God to give you the courage that you need. Ask him, ask his spirit, Ask. invite the Holy Spirit to empower you and to strengthen you to do those things that you don't feel like you can. Ask him to help you this week, to walk in a bold confidence. Whatever your battle is, the battle belongs to the Lord. And again, remember that one small stone thrown in the confidence of God and the power of God is enough to handle anything that comes your way. While the worship team sings, let's spend some time at this altar in prayer with God. I'll Pastor Anthony and I come and, well, I guess Pastor Anthony's up here. I'll lay hands on you, we'll pray for you, and then we will close this service in prayer.
1: Have you come to the end of the cell? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? And Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are love,
2: Jesus Christ, leave behind your regrets and mistakes, come today, there's no reason to wait, Jesus is called. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is coming.
0: your heads, we'll dismiss you for this service. Precious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that stories that we read about in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are literal stories and yet they are stories about our own lives, just different circumstances. Because we all face Goliaths day in and day out And I know, Father, it is your desire that we would boldly stand strong for what it is we believe in, for who it is we serve, for the things that you've called us to do, that we would stay strong. We would not let outside voices distract us, but we would only listen to the voice of truth, the voice of your Spirit. that speaks into our ear and gives us direction on what and how and where we are to do things. So God, I pray your strength upon every person present here today. I ask, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would strengthen us to be bold in our walk, be bold in the difficulties that we come up against, that we would no longer just stand back and and not address them and let them grow, but we would take care of them so that they would diminish and go away, so that we can more clearly follow the path that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that you can take a slingshot and a stone and a little boy to do something great. And so then that that just leads me to believe what can you do in us? Grown men and women, what can you do in us, God, when we surrender to you completely and we trust in you and we believe in you and we boldly walk through those doors that you call us to go through? I shudder to think of the things that could be accomplished, not just in our lives, but in this church and in this community if we would all boldly walk like David did. So give us that strength, Father. Help us to trust you, help us to believe in you, and to rely upon you in any and all circumstances and not on our own self-sufficiency, because we've certainly learned over the years that that's not enough. We need the power of God in our life. So Father, as we leave here today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go with us, guiding and directing our steps, places we go the things we do the conversations that we have let those conversations be designed to build people up and not tear them down father i pray that we would be bright lights in a very dark world shining the love of jesus christ and that people would know that they would say what is it about you that's different and we would be willing and able to share your goodness with them father i pray for a divine appointment for each one of us this week that someone will cross our path to give us an opportunity to tell them of how good of a God you are and how much they need to be in a relationship with you. Use each one of us in that way, Father. Let us walk through our fears. If that is our Goliath moment, God, if that's what some people in this place fear, pray that we will slay that Goliath this week and continue to move on doing it day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place, in our hearts. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've given us everything we need to live a life of victory in this world in which we live. As we go our separate ways today, Lord, I pray that we would go in love and that love would shine through so brightly that everybody would notice it. And I ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here.